This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Evangelista with it for the Predators. Up the right wing for Keeper Sherwood. Into the Vancouver zone. Shot right on. Stopped by Seelov's big rebound. Evangelista scores. Luke Evangelista follows up and scores his first career NHL goal to pull the Predators to within one. It's 3-2. Into the middle. Trying to pass to Duchesne. Griezmann broke it up and it comes back to the line. They score. Tyson Berry throws it to the net. It gets through Archer Seelovs. And the Predators tie the game at 3 with 3.05 left in the third. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Tommy Novak has to score for Nashville. He's never had a shootout attempt in his career. In on Seelovs who made the save and the Canucks win. Of the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Elias Pettersson does it again. If there's anybody who gets in the way of the tank more than Elias Pettersson, I've yet to meet the person. He helps the Canucks 4-3 in a shootout over the National Predators. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nizar going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll free, 1-888-275-0650. And the Canucks had had a multi-goal lead in this game. The Predators came back, forced overtime in a shootout. And none other than Elias Pettersson scoring the lone goal to help the Canucks win this one. And, you know, it was Pettersson who got things going in the first period, uh, Randy. He got a great shot off that beat UC Soros. And, heck, it almost didn't even make it to a shootout. He had a great chance. He created, like you mentioned on the call with Batch, he created a chance out of nothing that almost ended the game in overtime. So Pettersson seemed like he, he was dialed in this evening. Yeah, he was buzzing from start to finish. And uh, you look at that first goal, and it's like, you're wondering what the National Predators are doing there. You wonder what Cal Foote is doing. It's like you're, you're stuck in no man's land. I understand if you, you go out and maybe get in the way of your goaltender, but you give him that much room, he's going to make you pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elias Patterson, what can you say at this point in time, right? What, 300 career points he picks up uh, with that first goal, second fastest in Canucks history to get to 300 other than one Pavel Bure. That's not bad company when you talk about Canucks history. So just keeps on picking up the points, and for this team as well, keeps on picking up the points. Uh, it's okay, Canucks fans. Uh, San Jose lo- are won today as well. So just if you're keeping an eye on that, Bick, I know you are as usual. Uh, San Jose did win today. Uh, and Chicago. That's right. Getting a shutout over the Ottawa Senators. Uh, yeah, Elias Patterson was strong. Again, got the goal early and then uh, ended it in the shootout as well. Well, let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we're joined by Anthony Bevilier after the Canucks win 4-3 in a shootout over the Preds. And, and Anthony, I mean, uh, you guys were coming off that emotional high of beating the the Leafs on Saturday. And this game, it also had quite a bit of feistiness to it, especially as the game grew on. What's it been like with this group here, kind of being able to face that or being able to match that physical uh, challenge the last couple of games. Yeah, um, like you said, came off a uh, very emotional game uh, the other night, and uh, um, you know it's it's uh, it wasn't our. I thought it wasn't our best game, but you know got the two points, got the job done at the end of the day. But um, I think we uh, got to be a lot better in uh, some areas of our game, and um, yeah, it's gonna come down to we got the two points, and so we'll just get out of here. Now it's close to a dozen games uh, for you here in Vancouver and this line with you, Andre Kuzmenko, who had a couple of chances tonight. Pedersen obviously scores the goal. Uh, what is it that uh, you, you fit in so well with these guys? 
Yeah, I'm just trying to create space for them, you know, um, keeping my game simple and going in that. And they're so good with the puck and creating uh, creating plays and making plays. Uh, they see the ice really well, so I'm just trying to keep it simple, go to net, and try to find pucks for them. And, uh, yeah, I, I find, like, um, every game our chemistry has been uh, growing stronger and I'm um, looking forward to building more with them. You talked about, you know, there's certain things you could still improve as a team, but, you know, when there were breakdowns tonight, when there were – chances that were given up Archer Seelovs with some big saves you know how does it feel to have not only one goaltender in Thatcher Demko that can make that save but also a younger goalie that's developing and and getting into that mindset and and making big saves for you guys yeah I mean uh, our goalie's been good for us lately and uh, especially tonight kept us in the game and uh, some big saves and shootouts and uh, some big saves during the game so he definitely kept us in the game and um, he, he was there where we needed him, that's for sure. And, yeah, big big uh, props for him. Uh, last game it was Tyler Myers dropping the gloves. This game it was JT Miller. Uh, uh, what is it when you see the team leaders get after it that way, and especially JT tonight? Oh, man, he gets everyone going for sure. I mean, you can see the uh, we get a, a lot of competitors in this room and just could feel it on the bench in the room. And when guys do that, definitely uh, uh, definitely pumps you up and you want to – you know, uh, work harder and you know do the little things more when uh, when you see them do that. We talked to Tyler Myers last game, and you know we got, we asked him what these last twenty games mean. Uh, and he was talking about consistency. Uh, I'll ask the same question to you: like, what do these last twenty games mean to you, and, and what can you get out of it heading into the off season and for the rest of the group? Oh, I, I mean, we we got to build uh, a culture, winning culture here. We got to build a, a standard of. Uh, what's the right way to play and what it means to be Canuck. I feel like uh, we've done a good job lately at doing that, and that, that's what it means, you know, finding confidence coming in next year and uh, knowing we can uh, be uh, a good team and knowing we can get it done too, you know, uh, playing with confidence when we have the lead and being comfortable when we're down by one. So, um, But, yeah, uh, Tyler's right there. We've we got to find some consistency, consistency in our game as well. Hey, Anthony, thanks for your time tonight. A great job on the victory, and the best of luck coming up on Wednesday against the Ducks. Thank you. Uh, that's Canucks forward Anthony Bavillier helping the Canucks with the victory tonight. 4-3 shootout win over the Nashville Predators. And like he mentioned, it, the Canucks, I don't think, played all that well tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arthur Silovs did his thing. This Nashville team is rather toothless at the moment. I mean, they made a number of trades, of course, losing out a, a few of their yep. offensive players, and they've struggled to score goals all season long. You saw saw that, but they still, I thought, really carried play. The Canucks struggled to kind of stay with them in certain areas. They didn't have the, the massive breakdowns, but we'll hear from Talkett, and I'm sure what he'll mention is they give up way more than they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely did. And you talk about, you know, the trades that they made, but Philip Forsberg injured, Ryan yeah. Johansson injured. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not only those trades, there are other elements too, but you know, there's that one save where essentially a cross-ice pass, Matt Duchesne gets the puck, he controls it, and Archer Silovs goes from right to left. That was a huge save in that game. And, and, and high to low, right? High to yeah. low, yeah. That was a, basically a diagonal, uh, you know, pass down low. And that was an example. You didn't have many breakdowns in this game. It wasn't a tidy game by any stretch. But when they did need their goaltender to, to play well, he did make those saves. Uh, but there's no doubt. Now, I know Rick Tockett mentioned that they have a day off earlier on to, uh, yesterday, I believe, or today at the morning skate. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can rescind that, but I'm sure there's things that he wants to work on because yeah. it, even from a puck management perspective, uh, some sloppy play in their own zone, even at the opposition blue line, which I'm sure he'd like to clean up. There's a couple of maybe un- – 
necessary risks across the blue line where you're looking at and say, hey, live for that next shift, right? That saying that he has, uh, there was at least three or four incidents that I remember uh, at the blue line, the opposition blue line, where you're just making the high-risk play rather than the safe play. Well, even the tying goal, that starts in the offensive zone because Colson's coming in on a rush opportunity, and I get it. Look, a goal can seal the game, basically. But it's a backhand kind of chip shot. Yeah in the short side that you miss and it goes the other way and allows the Preds to get this transition opportunity. I, I want a young player to kind of feel emboldened to try to create something, but look at the clock three minutes ago. Is it more valuable in that moment to kind of get that puck low, create a cycle, kill 45 seconds and, and make them work as well. That's another puck management play. It ultimately goes into the own zone and, and it's Breezewall who kind of turns it yeah. over, but you look at that and say, is that a moment where you can play for another shift or just be aware of the game situation too? For sure, in a teachable moment, right? We were talking about this earlier on where, hey, Pod Coles and Kravtsov, they when are they going to get opportunities to play in later on in games, maybe a little bit more in the third period? How do you see that Pedersen ice time or JT Miller ice time maybe come down a little bit? Uh, and Rick Tocca was addressing that today in his comments just about how the players are looking at the top players wanting to be on the ice in certain moments. But that's something that Vasily Podkolzin is going to learn from. I'm sure they're going to talk to him about. I'm sure there's going to be a discussion with Guillaume Brisewall and Kravtsov as well on that. You know, it's on Brisewall's stick. Uh, if you're Kravtsov, if you're looking forward, you're looking to yeah. exit the zone rather than maybe focusing on where the puck is. Uh, it's a little bit of, you know, focus for both of those guys. So a teachable moment. They get the two points, but I'm sure Taco will be going through the video and saying, all right, we've got to focus on a couple of things here. Well, yeah, they, I think there are a number of things that they have to clean up. But I do also think in terms of some key performances, mentioned obviously Elias Patterson. We talked about Arthur Silovs and, and him doing a good job, obviously, keeping the Canucks in this game and allowing yep. them to uh, actually win it in a shootout. Uh, stopped all three shots he faced in the shootout, which I do think is notable, of course, as well. But if we talk about bottom six contributions, and we, we've spoken a bit about Dakota Joshua, scores a goal tonight, nine on the season now. I mean, there's a real bottom line to this fourth-line player that Canucks signed and, and showing a little bit of something. But a player who is impressing me more and more by the game and even more so since coming back into the lineups after a stint in Abbotsford is Niels Oman. And... On the play where he uh, sets up Dakota Joshua, he just not only does he show some good speed, but it's his ranginess that's so good and his ability to understand his reach. He kind of puts the puck ahead of him just so nobody else, where nobody Mm -hmm. else can get it. And his reach is so so long, all he needs to do is slide it over once he beats his guy just by a couple inches. Good pass over to Dakota Joshua. We know he can play defensively. He's got an active stick. He's, He's developing on the PK. But he's showing a little bit of offensive upside as well. And I'm not sitting here and saying he's going to be a top six centerman. But in terms of what is he going to be? He's a center on the fourth line so far. Can he be a third line center? He's showing a little bit of offensive flair finally as well. For sure. And, you know, when we talked about him at the beginning of the year, there was a conversation of, hey, he works hard. He's a big body, six foot two. But is there offense there? In that play specifically, the speed is one thing. You talk about the ranginess of using his frame, but also identifying McCarron is in front of him, yeah. right? The the ability to say, I can take this guy. And he did exactly that, which is, you know, protecting the puck, but also at the same time recognizing, hey, I've got some offense to give and, uh, against this guy in front of me. It's not Roman Yossi that's going to, you know, potentially make the play and, and go the other way. This guy's lacking some speed. I like that recognition and that pass, you know, just kind of it's a low-key reminder of Todd Bertuzzi when he'd make the, the one-handed yeah. pass to the shovel it in front of the net, you know, and, and that, I love to see that. So it did surprise me 
A, the speed, and B, the skill to do that. But a, a great finish by Dakota Joshua, too. Doesn't rush it. Doesn't try to one-time it. He knows he has room. He kind of nice grips hands. it. Yeah, great nice hands. Great hands. Yeah. And he's, you know, we've talked about him a fair bit, guys, over the post games, and he's set career highs. But that tandem of two big players, big bodies, can play physical when they need to, but they're starting to show some skill, especially Oman here. Joshua showed it earlier mm-hmm. on this year, Bick, but Niels Oman, yeah, pleasant surprise. It seems like that Abbotsford experience definitely helped them out. Yeah, Ian and Dunbar texting in his one-handed pass to Dakota Joshua, pass to 2D, work of art, a real playmaker's players play and he also had a great forecheck in the second period that created a Joshua mm-hmm. chance right S- lifting the stick yeah pucks free for Joshua to try to score UC Saros there in that moment to turn it away but this is what we talked about in the pregame set you start finding a consistent center per- not necessarily productive but solid play next to Dakota Joshua there's a real player there as a depth winger get some consistent line mates from who are day-to-day, game-to-game, playing at a certain baseline. I think you'll see a great version of Dakota Joshua. You talk about the composure in that moment of of Joshua, not just slamming the shot, taking it. Very similar to what we saw a couple of games ago where he took that pass at the blue line and just fed it to space where it will land and ultimately gets turned away by Matt Murray, but to create a two-on-one, like that's a composed play as well. He's got a lot of poise when he's got the puck. And so Dakota Joshua uh, turning into a fantastic player and fine for this management group. Well, one thing it also does, and we were discussing this about um, what the Canucks need to do to be a playoff team next season. And obviously what you're trying to see is, okay, who fits in here? But Niels Oman, for a player who was signed as a former sixth-round pick by the Colorado Avalanche, goes unsigned, and he's 22 years old. He's played a couple of years in Sweden, of course. But for him to come in and make the NHL right away at a training camp, and then even though he got sent back, come back up and play even better, he's shown a lot of growth. And, yep. it's, and it's hard to say ultimately what his ceiling is going to be, but in terms of what decisions you have to make this offseason, when you have a guy like Niels Oman, when you have Aturatu in your organization, who's still a fair bit away, but potentially could be a centerman for you, do you need to go find a long-term solution, or do you go and look for somebody who can bridge a gap for a year or two as your third-line center? And I think almost, considering you can't solve all your issues in one offseason, and the Canucks have a quite a few, you, you might be able to piece it together with a veteran stopgap that bridges to Niels Olman potentially in a year. Because it may be a lot to ask for him to be your third-line center next season, but maybe in two years it can be that. No, for sure. And you start looking at what he's been able to do this year. He came in this year where... You know, he was a guy that was part of the equation. He was supposed to be in Abbotsford to start off the year. He, you know, kicks the door down and says, I'm going to be more than that. Goes back to Abbotsford, has to improve his game, has come back. Now, the question I would ask is, you know, going and signing depth centers in free agency can be a tricky situation. I don't need to mention the names of, you know, the Jay Beagles in the world and all that, but we've been there, done that. If you overpay, if you're going to sign somebody, sign somebody in after the first week of free agency, that can compete with these guys. Yeah. I think competition is going to be important because you don't necessarily want to gift anybody a role in the bottom six either. Competition, a cheap, you know, maybe a veteran forward that can push the younger guys to be that much better is okay. But I could see Niels Oman being that, you know, that piece on the fourth line. But I'd love to see competition coming in on a, on a cheap price tag rather than overvalued, you know, free agents as we've seen in the past, not only in Vancouver, but other cities as well. Randy, uh, great stuff calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. We appreciate it, and we look forward to chatting with you on Wednesday when the Canucks host the Anaheim Ducks. And you know, the, I'm interested to see what type of game we see between those two teams on Wednesday. They're not good teams, no, but Anaheim, 
they they they're up to some weird stuff. So I, I, it's gonna be an interesting game on Wednesday. <laughs> weird how how if you watch them play hockey, funny how funny, funny how. how funny do. Let's just say like that a clown they amuse you <laughs> pretty much. If, if like they might be Bing, the most clown, <laughs> boom, they, they pretty much might be the most clownish hockey team that you've yeah. seen in a while. So look at the uh, look at the goals against stats, and that'll tell you how much. Yeah, the Canucks are actually getting better now. They look are the goals against are coming down. Maybe not so much tonight, but still. Do they get enticed into playing some river hockey yeah. against another bad team? Like is is the urge too strong? Perhaps in that game, we'll see what what happens on Wednesday. But great stuff, Randy. Uh, that's Randy Janda. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox six fifty six. 50 jokes for 60. What would it take for the Canucks to take a wild card spot? That's one text coming in. Let's and get weird. <laughs> and as always, uh, every time the Canucks win a c- game late in the season or at this point, what does that do? Well, it creates a lot of angst. And this one here says the last 20 games means we can screw up our draft position to end up 11th and draft another questionable player like last year. Uh, that's one text unsigned that came in. And Brandon Napoco says the Canucks win again. Colorado better be careful. Not a Vancouver was only 17 points back. Jokes per 60. Keep them coming in. All right, we'll get to more of your text messages. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. Keep the thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. It's Satyagar Shaw with Bick Nazar. More coming up after the Canucks win 4-3 in a shootout over the Preds on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Tommy Novak has to score for Nashville. He's never had a shootout attempt in his career. And on Seelops, who made the save and the Canucks win. Vancouver never trailed in the hockey game tonight. They did cough up a two-goal third-period lead, but they see it across the finish line nonetheless and beat the Predators 4-3 tonight at Rogers Arena. Canucks win 4-3 in a shootout over the Nashville Predators, the toothless Predators. Honestly, they can't create anything. I mean, they can create, they can't finish. Uh, this is the Connect Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, you can keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We'll get to the phone boards in a second. A lot of reaction on the text inbox. But, man, that Preds team, with all the injuries they have, like, you know their logo? Like, I think it's false advertisement for, for the Predator to have a tooth on the logo right now. <laughs> That's how toothless they are. Anyways. Uh, just Everybody's just shaking their heads. All right. Uh, we'll keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. Does Juleson make a great partner for Hughes? No, I think I think Hughes makes a great partner for Juleson. Yes. I think that's the way you have to view it. I mean, the what way an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I think without even looking, yes. I'll guarantee you this is the best partner Noah Juleson has ever had in the NHL. Yeah, easily, easily. Um, so I'd say Quinn has been able to make anybody look good, which goes back to the discussion we had about him on Canuck Central earlier, earlier today about how high his ceiling is. One thing he's proven is he can play at a top pairing level with anybody, essentially, next to him, right? And Juleson is a smaller sample, but yet more, you know, um, evidence towards what Quinn Hughes is able to do. 
um, no matter who's playing alongside. And we've seen how good him and Ethan Bear have been this season. We saw how good him and Luke Shen were at times this season. And I know Reach, you know, brought the numbers up, and he's kind of shown that the Canucks have had what I think three deep pairs that have had that have been above water or four. Quinn Hughes has been on all four of those combinations. Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes. Yeah, pretty much. Like unless Quinn Hughes is there, uh, the Canucks are underwater, right? Tonight, I thought Juleson was fine, but you know, first like eight minutes, there were a lot of passes into Predator skates, and we're not even talking about getting it past the line into yeah. the next guy. We're talking about like the first guy in front of them, delayed decision making, forcing passes, engineering. You know, resets and regroups. There wasn't a lot of them that turned into Predators takeaways. Sometimes just bouncing right back to Juleson and resetting for the whole team. But the first, like, eight minutes, the Canucks really struggled to move the puck out of the zone. Yeah. Basically up until the Pedersen goal. And then goals change games. Naturally, things have to open up a bit. Uh, but we talked to Kyle Burroughs in the first intermission. He even mentioned that they were pressing pretty hard and had to find a way to, to get through it. And after the goal, it did kind of open up a bit more, even when it was 1-1. Canucks seem to have figured it out and moved the puck, but I, I quoted a stack because we have access to the puck tracking data. In the first five minutes, the Canucks, as far as puck on their stick, had it 64% of the time. Two minutes was spent in their own end. Yeah. So they really had a problem moving the puck through the neutral zone and, and getting it out of their own zone, but uh, improved the rest of the way. Yeah, and and I and I know like I, I like what guys like uh, Will Lannon have yep. done in smaller samples. Some praise from Will Lannon coming in the, in the inbox right now. Yeah, six fifty, six fifty. Yes, he's had some decent games, but I'm not sure anybody was really good, quote unquote, good tonight. You know, I think Will Lannon was probably one of the better defenders they had. I think he's done a pretty good job, and I thought Myers, his game has improved after a few really ugly ones. But even tonight, obviously, it wasn't the easiest night for him and his deep pairing, especially when we started digging through the numbers. But what they really need more than anything here is higher quality puck movers. And, hey, Heronik's going to come in. That's going to be a big boost to the lineup whenever he's healthy. And we'll see ultimately when Ethan Bear returns to the lineup and what Oliver ekman Larson's status is. But in a game like this, when a team like the Preds, I think, were at least ready and they were on top of the Canucks, like you mentioned, forechecking, these defenders, the AHL guys, like the, the quad A type of players, you see how much harder it is for them when they're really under duress. And I thought, as much as the Leafs, had moments, at no point did it seem like they were really leaning on Vancouver. They had some ships here and there, but did you really feel like there were sequences like the Preds tonight where they were really controlling play the way they were? I mean, I, I think the Leafs created far less scoring, fewer high-danger scoring chances than the Preds created today. And I think it's another sign of if teams start crowding these defenders, especially the guys who are not named Quinn Hughes, it's going to be a long night at times. But tonight, the reason they got through it was Elias Pettersson. There's some Elias Pettersson things, and Arthur Silov's made an enough saves pick. Yeah, and flashy saves as well. Obviously, the one on Duchesne uh, is going to get a lot of hype. The one on Evangelista as well uh, was a fantastic one. You see the snippets of physical excellence from Arthur Silov's. Yeah. That's naturally going to get molded as he gets older, more reps, gets into his physical prime, working with Ian Clark. The thing that I'm really impressed with is the mental side, where when we first saw him, obviously there's going to be some nerves for a goalie, your first NHL game, and it looked a little shaky. He he looked like a rookie, which happens. But the next game, a little bit cleaner. The next game, a little bit cleaner. next game, a little bit cleaner. Tonight... A little bit cleaner, and it's just progress. 
you can literally see it game to game where the feet look a little bit more solid, the the head's not as moving as much, just looks a little bit calmer in the net. And that's the part where you see the mental match the physical, which becomes really exciting to see what the long-term future for Arthur Silovs could be. Yeah, I know it certainly is. And I know people are texting in and wondering, can he be the backup next season? Ultimately, you probably want him to get more starts. There's so much potential there in his game, and as much as he could be a backup for you, are you wasting his development by having him back up next season? Games, you, games, games. That's the most important right? thing. Right, I think so. And, and I think just because he's playing games this season, late in the year, I don't think is so much about he's – not that he's not deserving. He's played well, obviously. You see the talent in his game. But it's also a product of the, of the circumstance, how much Spencer Martin struggled. Colin Dilly has had his struggles, and now obviously he's sick, and Demko is out for a while. If, if, if these things don't happen, we don't even see Silovs this season. Next year, nobody's even considering him as an option. I'm sure he'll have a chance in training camp to turn some heads, but I think the best thing for him is to play a lot of games. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that consistently here next season, but the future is very bright for the young netminder. A lot of reaction in the text inbox. Gary Garrison, I like you guys, but leave the jokes for 62 listeners. Fair, fair, bad joke. We'll recover. We'll do better. Wait, which uh, joke? Uh, well, the, the toothless one, the predator. Oh one. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty lame. It was pretty lame. Shut up, Gary. Been, yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, call him out. Uh, yeah, accountability. Yeah, even Earl from Maple Ridge can't save this season. Uh, uh, Earl from Mission, I think it was in Maple Ridge. But yes, I get what you're saying. But you have to like the fight the uh, in the Canucks under Tockett. Uh, entertaining hockey worth watching. Forget the lottery and package this year's pick with OEL to move up in the draft. Jokes per sixty. That's a joke. Uh, well, a ten-game winning streak is not out of the equation. Duncan texting in, and uh, Josh Elliott Wolf did the numbers for us for the Canucks to get to ninety-five points. Ninety-five points, they have to win out. So that just kind of tells you <laughs> where where the Canucks find themselves. In hey, terms look, of we how many an- we answer the questions. Hey. The max points are ninety-five. They're on pace for seventy-five. No doubt. Which you know we had this conversation many times about a month ago. You know, we said, hey, they're probably going to land 72 to 75. And then they started trending bad. And we said, maybe 68 to 72. And we had repeatedly taken the under. Where are you at? Are you, are you still taking the under? On, on 74 and a half, let's say. Uh, I'll still take the under. Yeah. I'm still taking the under on it. Because they're on a bit of a roll now. We'll see how it ultimately goes. I'm still not convinced. I'm just not convinced they're going to keep winning games. But right now they are, and we'll see ultimately what happens. Hussein from Kukotlam says, Kraftsoff has been a great ad. Lots of reports from New York said he was soft, but I've loved what I've been seeing, uh, him being hard against the wall. Great four-checker. Talkett should convert, put Coles into a 3C and make the Russians a line. That's Hussein from Kukotlam. Uh, on the Kraftsoff and four-checking, he's showing a willingness. Mm-hmm. He is, right? I think his technique with forechecking, getting in along the boards, that can get fixed. But I'm fine with that. To me, that's fine. As long as you have a willingness to get there and you're showing a desire, the rest can get coached in. You can figure that stuff out. Clearly needs to get stronger. That's very evident when you watch him. Before the altercation with Cole Smith, and I think that's what a thing yeah. where a lot of people like. And there's JT some feistiness. In, yeah. yeah, there's some feistiness to him. But he won a board battle earlier in that period, and which allowed the Canucks to – Recover the puck, recycle possession, gets the puck until the middle of the ice and dries, I believe, had the redirect uh, in the slot that would, went just wide. But there was a lot of good things of Vitaly Kraftsov's game today. Obviously, the feistiness in that play. Uh, and also, uh, when Miller came out of the box, first person to greet JT Miller uh, as he got to the bench with a fist bump, Vitaly Kraftsov. Yeah. But there was another chance as well where – actually, it wasn't a chance. It was just him coming off the boards, and he got – 
connected with Tyson Berry and how he came off the board. And like this is why I just want to point out why size can matter here for a guy that's six three. He can pull away from a player like Tyson Berry so much easier because the yeah. stride's a bit longer. And he ultimately didn't get a tip because the shot wasn't on his side of the post. But you could see how easy it was for him to just get away from a defender and keep his hands clear mm-hmm. from someone who's trying to engage him with the stick. And it, it was a small play, but you just noticed it just where six foot three is as you're trying to position your body, why it's so much easier for a guy like him than someone that's five eleven, five ten and how they have to work through contact coming off of the board. Mm-hmm. He just made it look so easy. Uh also because of his skating ability, but the size really matters just how you can create leverage and body positioning. Well it, it certainly does and I'm really impressed with what I've seen. Very raw players still. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for them is because he doesn't have a contract for next season, he's going to sign a deal. It's about him buying into the plan, which I think he's showing a willingness for it. And as long as you're able to communicate that, him coming back on a cheap deal next season, that that's, I think, the rest of this year was going to be about building a relationship with him, building some trust with him, getting him on board, and then seeing if he puts in that work this offseason. Because if he does... There's opportunity here next year. And speaking about that relationship building and communication, I just try to keep an eye on the bench a lot tonight too. When he and Put Colson would come off, and sure enough, as soon as they come off, you could just see them lean towards each other and talk, talk a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two but young guys. That stuff matters, right? Yeah. It's that stuff matters and how you build Drafted a connection. Drafted one year apart, have a friendship, and you could just see them talk. And I just wonder, like sometimes, you know, you're in New York. Yeah, there's other Russian players there, but they're on the other side of the bench and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Aaron's going to get way more time, not necessarily always checking in during a game. And, and It was just something I noticed tonight, like how often put Coles and Kravtsov were talking on the bench to each other and how much that matters to increase your mental engagement as a player. Mm-hmm. Just you're not silent on the bench. Yeah, and, you, you know, like the – it's clear, too, because as good as Kuzmenko and him, and him are, like, in terms of relationship, they don't play on the same line anymore. And, and like, you, like you can literally see they're on opposite ends because the first line's going to go out totally different yeah, times. Yeah, and also just in terms of uh, – uh, you're talking about a guy who's, like, 26 and now developing a different way. you got a young guy, two young guys coming together. I think organizationally, targeting Kraftsaw was the right move, and him and Putkoles in together, I think it makes a lot of sense, and it's good to see them forging that and – if these guys are willing to put uh, – and we've kind of heard the organization really wanting these guys to even stay in Vancouver as much as possible over the course of the offseason, the amount of work they want them to do. And if they really buy into it, there's something there with both those players. Vasily put goals in two tonight. Uh, we haven't really got to his game. Um, he obviously scored a goal tonight um, for the Vancouver Canucks. And now that's a couple of goals is being recalled. We know he's a player who needs some confidence more than anything else. What do you make of the way he's trending the last few games? I love the goal. Yeah. Not just because, hey, in the slot, tip in and all that sort of stuff. Go back to the defensive zone. It's Cole Smith, actually, again. <laughs> Middle of a lot of things. Where tonight. it's a loose puck near the goal line, but Colson recovers it, and Cole Smith is on him. And but Colson physically engages him and kind of does the arm bar to fend him off and gets that puck to Quinn yeah. Hughes. And as it comes around to Sheldon Drives at the blue line, but Colson comes off the end boards and is working his way to be an outlet for Sheldon Drives, backhand pass, rink wide, to put Colson to get it out of the zone. And then that whole cycle in the offensive zone starts, and he ultimately gets the goal. But it's all this work in the defensive zone, where it's not necessarily being a wall guy, picking a rim off the right. 
around, but how do you manage the puck while physically engaged with an opponent? And he won it in a big way, peeled off, got involved in the play again, just connecting the play all three zones. That's going to be a big check in the coaching staff's eyes. Well, we know the coach is already impressed with the details and obviously can grow in that aspect, but he starts producing, gets a bottom line. There's so much there tangibly in Vesely Liquid Colson's game. Like, look, there was flaws later of as course. well. Like I mean, the, the goal that happened against them when they were on the ice. Yeah, the, the tying goal uh, for... Yeah, yeah, three three. Yeah, the goal. three three goal. He charges hard at yeah. Roman Yossi and maybe takes a bad angle. He's probably he, yeah. He should probably shade to force him on to the outside, not to the inside. Because as soon as the guy turns to the inside, it draws defenders away, and that's what creates the space for the shot to even get off later on. He, he was on, yeah. I I don't really care which way. He, just, he didn't really force him. He kind of went straight at him. Whereas if you come from the top, if he goes down the wall, you can go with him. If he comes from the wall. He cuts into the middle. You can go with them. He kind of went straight at him, and Roman Yossi did a spin in the way he went and did Roman Yossi things. It is Roman Yossi. Yeah, Roman absolutely. Yossi but it just we're talking about angles here, right? Yeah. And that's one of those things where you're just accelerating the move for Yossi. You're not influencing the play. It's more about thinking than reacting yeah. in that aspect. Don't right? give the guy a two-way go. Right. And he kind of did. And there's a couple plays there, too, and Brisebois makes a weak clearing clearing attempt, yes. and Kraftsaw can't get to the puck. He tries to block it. It ends up in the back of the net. Uh, a lot of reaction on text inbox, 650-650. Devin in Saskatoon. But Colson skating uh, is what's the most noticeable. He's gained a step since being sent down. It's very obvious. He's getting there. Puck hunting is improving, too. And That last bit has always been a trait of his, yes. and Devin's right. It's getting better. Well, it's the technique in doing so. Yeah. I mean, it's not just about getting into the forecheck. It's about how you position your stick and your body when you get into the forecheck, and especially if you're trying to seal on the forecheck and make it hard for guys to move off the wall if you get in there. And, and then getting back into the play, right? That's the stuff that well, – it, it's the completion of that whole sequence. Well, like, for instance, I know you had a – you always uh, on the People Show, uh, filling in today on Canuck Central for Dan Riccio, and you'll be back on it tomorrow. But on the People Show, you speak to Brad May oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And even Brad May spoke to you – Yeah, on Thursdays. but. You guys had a great discussion about him even learning how to hit differently as he gets mm-hmm. older. It, just going into the boards is not a simple thing, you know, and there's so much more. You're not trying to put that guy into row three. Not, yeah, sometimes you do, but sometimes yeah. it's more about getting the puck, right? And that's what it's about. And you're seeing some development there in his game, and, and that's been a real positive. Uh, 650-650, Peter says, Canucks climbing in the standings. So Canuck to mess up their draft lottery chances. Always a forever doomed organization. That's Peter texting it. So they did move up one slot today, or move down. So seventh, they are now seventh with six point five percent chance, rather than the seven point five they had the start of the game, and two points behind uh, Philadelphia right now. Um, But Philadelphia has played sixty, yeah, yeah, two point five. Both those teams won tonight, so uh, still keeping some pace. It's gonna be hard to get out of the bottom ten, like bottom nine. But we'll see ultimately if the Canucks I keep winning. I still think it'll be bottom seven, it, but it's tighter. It's tighter. We'll see what, what happens. But that's the standings after this Canucks victory in a shootout over the Nashville Predators. All right, uh, let's go to the phone boards as well. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 888 Let's go to Ryan, who's waiting patiently to get on. Ryan, thanks for holding on to your phone line. And what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, good game. I just had a couple of comments, observations. You guys said it was an entertaining game. It was a great game to watch. Lessons learned for the Canucks, in my opinion, as they loosen up the stick is, and playing more freely is the benefit that size gives them. You look at the Toronto game, what Myers did, in particular at the, at the beginning of the game, a couple of big hits, 
Dakota Joshua, the role he's been put in. It gives your talent that you have time and space. And I hope they learn from this experiment. You know, all the big teams, Bruins have done it over the years. They need size with talent to create time and space and move that puck out of their end. So, you know, as we're talking depth and moving forward for vision, it's got to be more than Quinn Hughes. He's great. But the complement of defense and the team's size, everyone grows by a couple of inches and a couple of pounds when you throw a good hit at the beginning of the game. And we saw that yesterday. So, you know, what are your thoughts on moving forward and getting some size? You know, we gave Luke Shen away. Yeah. You know, he's getting older. And that, um, that's kind of where I see it. And that's the, I'm not a big fan of the new coach, but I gl- I'm glad he's giving Dakota Joshua the kind of time and space to present ownership, a, a new vision. Right. Hey, hey, Ryan, hold on to your line for a second. But obviously you like big physical players and, and guys that can get on the forecheck, right? And so if you don't like talking, but if he can get guys to play that way because that's the type of player that he was, could, he get, could, he, could you get on board with talking if that's the type of hockey we see consistently here with, if they get some bigger players? Yeah, I mean, my personal thoughts on talking are, are meaningless. If, if, the, if the team can move forward and, and design a team that can, A, make the playoffs, go deep into the playoffs and so the problem is in you know ownership has to have that vision and support it instead of just giving you know this kind of in and out of the playoffs false hope all the time you got to really commit to a bill that has a vision and that that build has to be something like the, the Bruins had tried test and true and easy for me to say as a fan I don't have the pocketbook but you got to try something different since 2011 we've got to try something different and the difference for me is Whatever talent you have in this new NHL, speed, edging, and, and the talent we have, you got to give those guys time and space. If they did it back in the 80s with Gretzky, when you had everyone gunning for you, you certainly can do it now. And, and then you'll see and, and realize the full potential of the talent you have, But you know, like the PDs of the world. Hey, uh, Ryan, uh, thanks for your phone call, some good thoughts, and uh, we'll let you get back to your radio and we'll break down what you mentioned. And I'm not going to lie. I think a lot of the things that Ryan said in terms of needing size, creating time and space, and, and essentially having guys. It's music to your ears. It really is, man. Old hockey guy. <laughs> no, honestly, like, you know, you've, you've, heard, <laughs> you've heard us discuss this quite a bit, and, and this is why as much as people push back against the addition that, uh, that Lightning made for Tanner Janot, the reason I totally understand teams being interested in Tanner Janot is He's a new age enforcer. These guys don't exist anymore. He's a big player. He's fast. Gets in on the forecheck really well. He'll fight anybody. It's scarcity, right? That's what it is. He can score 15, 20 goals for you doing that potentially. And if you have a guy that can do that and be an intimidator as well, that's massive. And not just guys who can't play. And, and to Ryan's point, I mean, you need guys that can skate. You need guys that can get in on the forecheck. I don't care how big and strong you are if you can't get to the puck. But clearly, this team needs to get bigger. On the back end as well, that's what I look at, and I'm like, okay, adding Heronik's good, but he's not the biggest guy, but he plays hard. Ethan Barron Hughes, it's a regular season pair, but is that a postseason deep pairing? No. It's not going to get you there maybe, but it's not long-term, right? Myers, he's going to be done in a year. OEL, who knows what happens with his status. Travis Dermott's fine, but he hasn't been in the lineup really much recently. They still need a big physical defenseman. I completely agree. And, and not just because you need a guy to go and knock heads around. You need guys who can separate the man from the puck. Guys who can stop the cycle behind the net as well and, and win along the boards and clear the front of the net. They need guys like that. And if especially on the PK, one of the big reasons they have issues on the PK is how poorly these guys box out in front of the net. That's just battling and being able to get there. So 
I don't disagree at all with Ryan's sentiment. This team has some skilled players who need that skill. They need to get guys who get on the forecheck and have size. And none of, I could take or leave fighting necessarily. Every once in a while it happens, and we like what JT did and Myers did. But it's more about being a hard player to play against and, and punishing players. And I, and I totally th- agree that they need more of that. It's an imperfect measure, okay? But start looking at some of the people that they have acquired. And, look, obviously Queen Hughes – it's not going to be 6-3. But you start going through this, and, and, and body types that they've gone out of their way to get. Now, Andre Kuzmenko as well, 5-11. But there's a skill element that you need to have diversity in overall attributes. But Philip Johansson, 6-1. Nils Oman, 6-2. Ilya Mikheyev, 6-3. Curtis Lazar, Six foot, and you just kind of go start going through this, and you're thinking, all right, this guy checks this box, this guy checks six, this box. Dakota Joshua, six two. Even Archie Baines is six foot. Yeah, they're trending towards finding guys that are six foot and plus, and they drafted Elias Pettersson, six foot two. Damon Gardner, six four. Uh, Jackson Dorrington, six two. They seem to have a body type now. Lacare Mackey, obviously. Shorter, but they've trended towards... If they take the shorter guys, it's guys that have real pop in their yeah. skill. Like, Lakira Mackey was considered one of the best shooters in the draft. Mm-hmm. He struggled, has had his injuries, but the reason they drafted him is because his release was one of the best in the draft class. Like, a plus-plus trait. And I can understand if you go after somebody who has a plus-plus trait like that. And it's not uniform, Even if it doesn't but... work out, yeah. But I, I agree. I mean, balance is important. And if you look at, look at the postseason... Tampa's great, but one of the reasons Tampa wins is they're also big. Colorado, also a big hockey team. You see Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon trying to play these guys? I mean... That's also impressive, like when St. Louis won. You had to go through Petrangelo, yeah. Bo Meester, Pareko. I'm missing a name. Edmondson. There? Edmondson, I think, was there. Yeah. Or Joel Bertuzzo. Edmondson. Yeah. You need skating, and like all those guys, Bomeister, Pareko, Petrangelo in particular, fluid skaters. And then go down the, the forwards like Maroon. Mm-hmm. They just had so many guys to try to get through. When you were big and you were mobile, it's tough, man. It's tough to get around you. And and you play team defense. Most teams, you know, are at their fine tuned self come playoff time. It is tough to get around bodies. No, it really is. Uh, Brandon in Vancouver, big skill is incredibly hard to find outside the top of the draft. It is. It really is. And if you can find good, strong hockey players, big ones, uh, they're hard to come by. But, you know, that's the name of the game. Look at the teams that win. You need to have a few of those guys in the fold. All right, we'll keep breaking this game down. Canucks win 4-3 in a shootout over the National Predators. What does the head coach feel? How does the head coach feel about the game? We'll find out on the other side as the Canucks Central Postgame Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central Postgame Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Mark Jankowski behind the major Burnett. Out the left wing side, protecting it on the boards. Cycles it back behind the goal, and Ryan McDonough meets it right corner. Joshua knocks him down. McCarron gets it behind the net, trying to drive out front. It's loose, top of the crease. Great save by Seelovs on a chance in the middle of the ice. Thrown right back to the goal by Rasmus Asplund. And Seelovs has to come up big to keep it a 3-1 hockey game. Now a shot from the line. Right point by Barry. Stopped by Seelovs. He got a piece of it, and then it ticked off the outside of the right post as well. 
Arthur Silov stands tall for the Vancouver Canucks, helping them win 4-3 in a shootout over the Nashville Predators and stops 26 shots in all three he faces in the shootout to beat the Vang to beat uh, sorry, uh, drops 29 shots to beat the National Predators tonight. Man, I'm all, I'm all over the place. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, you can also grab a phone line, and we'll get to the phone calls coming up in a bit. But, Bick, before we get to head coach Rick Tockett, what's popping on the text inbox? 650-650. Uh, apparently never say anything about size and skill. I, I think people are misconstruing what we just said here. Size with skill, exactly. Very preferable. For Nobody sure. just wants six four guys that can't skate and just trying to muck it up along the boards. They need to go together. You need the fundamentals of skating, no matter what. Absolutely. I mean, you need you need the skill. You need the fundamentals, like you mentioned. And I would never. And also, there are different stages of team building, right? For for years, when this team had nothing coming, I'm like. Sure, we all want the big, strong, physical players. I understand you're one for Kevin, for Eric Branson. I, I understand you're one for for guys like Brandon Sutter, right? I get it. But this team needs skill. They need franchise players. So you need Game to get breakers. a high draft. Yeah, you need the Elias Pettersson. You need the Quinn Hughes. You need to have those types of players. Well, now they have a few of those guys. You need more of that. But now you need to build a team out as well. When you're trying to get your elite talent, they have to be super skilled guys, right? But you got to build a team on it and have certain types of players. And if you also have to keep in mind that games change and trends change, the big physical hockey player that can play is even more rare now. So, And every team needs them. So it becomes a more scarce asset. And even if you think something isn't as important as people make it out to be, when it becomes a scarcity and you still need it to win games and win in certain areas, you have to keep adding to it, right? And I still say when you're drafting, draft for skill, especially high in the draft. Like, I'm, I'm not drafting for size and toughness. I'm drafting for skill. But if I'm building a hockey team, you need to have some big physical players as well, especially in specific roles, right? At the same time, you have to meet a baseline of talent. I'm not suggesting go and get big physical players who can't play. Like, if you're a 6'7 defenseman, I don't care. No, that doesn't matter. you got to be somebody who can play, right? And same thing with a forward. I don't want a Zach McEwen. You're not going to play every day. I don't care about that. That's nothing. To me, that player doesn't move the needle. What I'm talking about is somebody who can play in your top nine, top six, a guy who can move the needle. When we're talking about top four defensemen that have some size, those are the types of guys you need. It can't just be skill alone. Like, all the teams that are good have a combination of all of it. You need a certain level of attribute diversity when you're yes. building out the team, right? So you are going to need bigger players. I know people texting me like, what about Colorado? Well, they had Gabriel Landeskog. Nathan McKinnon's a physical player. Valerie Nichushkin, physical player. Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, they had all these guys Traded for Josh team. Manson. Yeah, they had all these guys. 6'3". So they needed those as well. 650, 6'50". Uh, other things that people are wondering. Uh, <laughs> William and Langley. I'm hoping this is a joke. Bedard is 5'10". Even the Canucks lucky enough to get him. He won't fit the body type you guys were describing. Yeah, I think they'll make an exception to the rule. Like, these aren't uniform rules. I think people are getting... Talking about. Yes. Hey, I think people are getting way too mixed up. Just um, saying that you need big physical players doesn't mean that all your players have to be big and physical. I'm all for needing size and skill. It doesn't mean that you, can, you have to have only size and skill. Uh, Come on. This one. Uh, <laughs> just... 
Whoa, Lennon! With an exclamation mark. Someone's been texting in uh, the whole evening, and Raja also texts in from East Van. Why is no one talking about how well Burroughs and Wolanin are playing? One can hit while the other can move the puck with a good pass set. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get too hyped on those guys. I think Wolanin's somewhat interesting, but you talk about third-pairing type of players, right? And that's fine. They give you depth. But this team still needs that top four guy. And, and I'm with Roger. Those guys have shown well, and especially Will Landon I'm a fan of. We know what happens when Burroughs gets elevated. It doesn't look very good, right? They are what they are, depth type of defenseman. And I think that you have to be realistic about it, no matter what's kind of going on late in the season here with this team. For instance, and this might just be more the archetype of the player of why he's playing with Quinn Hughes over Kyle Burroughs, because Juleson's got a bit more mobility, a bit more passing ability. We saw Ethan Bear get run with Quinn Hughes. So I'm curious if they're just trying to replicate that version of a player next to Quinn Hughes. But Kyle Burroughs is higher in the depth chart than Noah Juleson. But it's Noah Juleson who gets the bump up to play with Quinn Hughes and not Kyle Burroughs. So you know, that to me it's strikes kind of interesting. But in general... You know, Christian Willannon's carried over the form that he had in the preseason mm-hmm. after not being in the NHL for long stretches and obviously having much success in the AHL level. Certainly someone that I want to see back again in Vancouver and see what kind of opportunity he crafts for himself in year two if he remains uh, in the Vancouver Canucks organization. But also, like you're not the incumbent, you're going to have to compete for that spot. That's yeah. what you want as a organization. They want internal competition. So you could do a one-way deal, but or, or two-way, maybe with some more yeah, minor league in, salary than they gave them uh, this year. Yeah, come, come in five first spot. Well, yeah. I'm interested in same. Hey, same thing with Burroughs, but. Be realistic about maybe what to expect, right? Uh, but, yeah, keep your thoughts coming into your text inbox. We'll get to more of those. But we mentioned head coach Rick Tockett, and here he is after the Canucks hold on to winning a shootout 4-3 over the Preds here at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, I didn't think we had our legs, um, you know. But, uh, you know, we hung in there. Uh, there you know, I thought the, the second half of the second we didn't give them anything, which was good. But, uh, you know, some guys didn't have their legs, but we, we grinded. You know, we had some guys that grinded for us tonight. Is this one of those games where you, maybe if you don't have your legs or you don't have your best game, you can fall back on that structure and it allows you to see it through to the end? Yeah, we got to learn though. When you don't, you don't have your game, you can't throw blind passes. And in the, in the, in the, we did that a couple of times in the neutral zone. We're on the wrong side of the piles, things like that. You can't if you don't. And listen, it's 82 games. It's travel. You're not going to have your legs, so you, then you have to play smart hockey. And I felt there's stretches where, you know, we we're th- we're doing some stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Even though you don't have your legs, so that that's just learn- it's actually a great learning experience. You know, is a, it really is? That's what I told the players. That, you know, if you don't have it, make sure that you don't, you know, you hurt the team. And I think that's just, that's a learning experience. What do you think of the pod Coles and Dries crafts off? Yeah, they were good. I mean, I you know, I don't know what they played. I probably should have got them out a couple more minutes. Uh, I, I put them out at the end. I wanted to see how they did. I, unfortunately, that Nashville scored, but I want to see. Those kids under pressure, and, and that's a, it's good, you know. I like seeing that. Interesting puck in overtime. We, we talked before about playing him in those key situations. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I want to get Kratzy out there, see what he could do, and um, and I Potsy too. And they usually don't get out there, but I won't, I think they deserve a chance to see what they can do out there. Yeah, you're right. Were you surprised to see the emotion that came into the game, especially in the second period with some of the post whistle scrums? 
Yeah, I, I, I thought we were asleep a little bit, and, and then um, and Millsy had a hell of a fight. You know, like I, you know, it happened the other the other day with Mizey. You know, hitting Tavares. You know, I, I'm signed, I, I think the response from certain guys when our team's sleeping a little bit that's a, a sign of good things for me. What so long is it kind of get dropped in with a illness and yeah. starts and yeah he battled I mean I'll tell you what uh from his first game to the you know how was he played to three four games for us now and uh I tell you he's you can tell the game slowed down from like you know he's gone from the minors to here it just seems like you know he's he's starting to see some stuff out there that uh you know he's to his goal to be an NHL goalie you got three American Hockey League defensemen here right now yeah. they seem to be tightening up and learning the system um just Take us through what those guys are doing yeah. in a new opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean they're taking it, run with it. You know, um, you know, I, I don't feel they're out of place sometimes. You know, there's some moments of pressure, that, and they got to learn to do certain things. But um, you know, uh, and if they make a mistake, they're not scared to get out there. Uh, I'm really proud of those guys. I mean, they've been in the minors all year, and all of a sudden they're playing heavy minutes for us. And you know, and listen, Nashville's trying to win. Like Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to win games for the playoffs. So it's not like these games are teams are coming here like you know, it's just two points. Like who cares? Like they're they're putting these guys under pressure, which is great. It's great for their you know maturation here. You talked this morning, Rick, about Putin Colson being close uh, to breaking out, and he establishes position tonight to deflect that goal. That's exactly what you wanted to do. <clears throat> well, you know, I, you know, I told you guys we need wall guys. We need inside guys, and he's the prototypical guy. You know, that's why I'm so excited to work with him. You know, you know this team needs those type of players. We we got to find more. Uh, but we, we crunch time. You know, those big plays on the wall or get to the net. You know, get body position on a big defenseman to deflect. That's that's going to be his pedigree. Like uh, I think Podsy, he's, what is he? 20, 20, 21 years old. So he's only going to get better. I think. Joshua gets a goal tonight. Could he be that kind of player for you? I, I, I thought Josh is starting to play. Uh, He's chipping away at his game. You know, um, I, I think the last week or two that, you know, him and Alms are creating an identity, uh, and they've done a nice job in the penalty kill. You know, so that's another plus for the organization. If those two guys can continue to grow, have a big summer in the, in the gym and on the ice, um, that's huge for us because, they, you know, they're, we, you know, you got to develop those guys into those identity type of players. Seems like. Pedersen maybe didn't have his grade A game, but he still has a major impact on the game. What can you say about a player that can still have that major impact when he's? Well, that's what I mean. He, I, you know, obviously he was uh, he didn't have his great game, but you know he's the type of guy. He just needs one shot, one penalty, that, penalty uh, shot to win a game. Um, I didn't think Kuzi and, and Bo really helped him. Like that line was a little. They were in their end a lot, and I think uh, you know I think the last game in PD, I think he was trying to cover up sometimes. So. We got to sort that out because you know we got to spend. They got to spend less time in our own end. Uh, so yeah. Was that you trying some things out in the second period, or is that just because of the Miller penalty, or were you trying to just see a couple different lines? It felt like kind of late in the second period there. No, I just Kuzi would turn the puck over three times in a row, so he had, I just sat him for a little bit. So and he he understood. He said, "Man, I'm coach my bad." You know, so he sat for a bit. But uh, I got him back out there. You know, he's a, he's a, you know he had a couple of chances there in the third. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 shootout victory over the Nashville Predators. And, you know, as we kind of mentioned, he was, you know, obviously not the cleanest game and he had to send a couple messages to players, but it seemed like he was all for giving them another chance and seeing, like, all right, you didn't do well here. 
get out there and let's see what you do again. And I think that kind of falls into the line of development, which I'd like to see more of instead of being like, all right, you made a mistake, staple, to the, staple him to the bench the rest of the game and, and do everything you can to try to win the hockey game. And I know they pulled out all the stops against the Toronto Maple Leafs in playoff mode and everything, but maybe not quite the same stakes here tonight against the Preds. <laughs> no, uh, not quite. Uh, but hey, he, he's constantly preaching the teaching moments, and obviously mm-hmm. he was talking about game management and puck management at a certain point, but also you're turning the puck over, it's another teaching moment, right? Sit out for a couple of minutes, yeah. work your way back, because Menko was very uh, fashionable today. A lot of entertainment from Andre Kuzmenko. Obviously he got robbed by Saros on the one chance, but the play he had in the first period. Oh, it was one. He was he almost the put dangle together. around McDonough, opens up the hips, and his his feet completely and, and working his way to the net. Tried to go between the legs, but McDonough recovers. Almost pulled it off, Matt. Look, Almost this is pulled it off. This is a for profit sports entertainment, and I don't think anyone understands that better than Andre Kuzmenko. He's always trying to put on a show, and it's, it's cool. It's fun to watch, man. He's a lot of fun to watch, and Elias Pettersson certainly doing his thing in a massive way for the Canucks to win this game here tonight. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. Um, Sam texted in a bit earlier and said uh, the Canucks can get Mitchkov at number 11. He might be still available there. If he, honestly, if the Canucks end up, let's say, picking 8th or ninth, and Mitchkov's there, I take him, I run, and I laugh that I got a top four talent with the 8th or ninth, 10th pick or whatever. Like, if he's actually going to be there at 9 or 10, I take him and I laugh. Like, I wouldn't pass him up in the top five, let alone if he's, like, number there at number eight or nine. Like, if, if teams are going to be afraid of him, like, maybe that's why the Canucks don't care if they're going to win some games now. They're like, we'll take Mitchkov at number eight or nine and nobody else is going to touch him. Like, it's a win-win for us. We get one of the top three centers or we get Mitchkov. Like, if, if people are actually that reluctant to take Mitchkov, whichever team takes him outside the top five is getting a massive, massive home run pick. Was it last weekend you were watching Prospects or two weeks ago? Uh, it's been for a couple of weeks yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, but after one night, after a game. Uh, yeah, I watched, I watched three full games of Mitchkov and the KHL. Sat sent me a voice memo of just him cackling. The first one was just like, <laughs> I'm watching Mitchkov. And then it was just, <laughs> He's so good, man. I was like, all right, calm down. He, he's, incredibly, calm down. he's incredibly smart. Just checking my phone at 11 <laughs> o'clock at night, just like Joker-level laughs. <laughs> man, uh, uh, and... Every once in a while, I like to mess around like on, on text messages with, with Bix. So I'll be like, oh, best player in the draft. I'm going to take this guy over Bedard. I was just kind of kidding. I'll be like, you know, like this is, if, if anybody goes number one and it's not Bedard, it's Mitchkov. And you know, I was kind of having a good time. I, I with think him. it was literally, I wonder what Coward's going to pass on Mitchkov. <laughs> pretty much. Like, <laughs> I know pretty much if anybody passes on, like if you pass on Mitchkov out to the top forward, it's pure cowardice. That's how I view it. That, that's how I view Mitch Goff. So, I mean, to Sam's point, it all depends on how the draft shakes out, right? And People are always like, what is that like? It's like, you don't want to know. <laughs> Just, you don't want to deal with that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to have that. No, you don't. No. Oh. But, but I'm just saying, Mitch Goff, unreal. Unreal. Like, he, he's such a talented hockey player. And that's why I'm really intrigued by this draft and, and where you end up picking, who ends up being available. And there's a swad of players, too. Um, that I'm very excited about, outside of like Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Bedard, mm-hmm. and even Mitchkov, that are really intriguing. And, and at least one of those players is going to pop. You know, it always happens, right? We always look at the draft and we're like, here's the top tier. Here are these four guys. Everybody else, somewhat limited upside. Then there's a superstar within that group, but the next kind of grouping as well. And you see some potential there with some of these players. And that's why, like, 
of course, man. Like, I love to see this team win the lottery. Right? I love to see him get a top four pick. Please, like, for the love of God, <laughs> please bring that here, right? But if that doesn't happen, I still think that there is enough there in this draft. You come away with a massive home run pick as long as you make the right selection. That's the thing. It's like you have to make the right selection. And I know people always say, well, you can get an Ole your Levy. You know what other D-men went in that draft? And I'm not talking about, like, 98th, and this guy turned into something. Charlie McAvoy. Charlie McAvoy we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, one of the best nine D-men in the league, and probably not nine. Yeah. Probably much higher. Mikhail Sergachev. Sergachev, Jacob Chikrin. They just chose wrong. Yeah. Obviously, that happens, but there's there's talent. There's going to be talent. I want the Canucks to win the lottery, too. But do not dismiss an Oliver Moore, who we both kind of crush on. Do not dismiss a Ryan Leonard. Do not dismiss X, Y, and Z and, and, and whatever player that are going to be available, too. Um, obviously, hey, protect your draft stock, of course. Adam Fatilli, if you had the best odds, would be great, All obviously. Do not ignore the rest of the draft. No, you really should not be ignoring the rest of the draft. There, there's a lot there in this year's draft that I'm very, very interested in and in, in really digging into as the next few months go here. And I understand, right? Like, it, fans are frustrated with victories and, and things happen. And I get it. Like, hey, people want a different type of rebuild. They want things to go differently. And they want different decisions to give and made. But don't be so afraid of challenges. You know, that's the one thing I would say in general. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not trying to say here, like, hey, don't wish for a high draft pick. But this notion of, oh, if the Canucks don't rebuild this way, or, oh, if the Canucks don't get the number one pick, oh, we're doomed. It's like, it's a bigger challenge. But just because it's a bigger challenge doesn't mean it's impossible. And just because, you know, you haven't seen success with this organization for the, you know, past 50, past 50 odd some years, it doesn't mean success won't happen in the future. And I actually find these moments super intriguing and interesting and, and exciting. Like, I've been so excited that, that this past, you know, weekend, the past few days, talking about or trying to figure out how do the Canucks take this step? I, I know it's an imperfect plan, but how do you make it work, right? And what's the best version of this coming together? And and I look at the same way with the draft. Just because you may not get the pick you want, does that not mean you can't have the same level of success one way or another? And, and ultimately, you just got to make right selections and good trades and, and, and good decisions. And the good decisions... And the winning results from those decisions is something we just haven't seen enough of in this organization. We got a cool hypothetical. We always love the hypothetical questions. Send them in. 650-650. K-Town Kid sending it in. Would you rather a top three draft pick this year and the team miss the playoffs next season? Or team plays hard down the stretch, picks 10, and makes the playoffs next year? 650-650. K-Town Kid with the hypothetical set. Okay, read that for me one more time. Would you rather a top three pick this year and miss the playoffs next year? Or a top 10 pick this year and a playoff appearance next year? I take the top three pick. Yeah, I'll probably take the top three pick too. Yeah. And, and you know. It's harsh, but. It's it's harsh, but I mean, and again, it's not a guarantee that, you know, one of those top three players are going to be, but there's a very good chance each one of those top three players are a top two centerman. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bedard. You know, who knows how high that upside is? The best player since Connor McDavid, potentially, right? That's kind of the buzz around him. Adam Fantilli, still trying to big dig through what he can be and what he's going to do, but very intrigued by him. Obviously, super high upside. The one question I have, though, what if Fantilli's a winger? 
I think he's going to play center, but what if he's a winger? That's the only question I have. But Leo Carlson, he could be. He kind of reminds me of Matt Sundin, and cross between Matt Sundin and Ooh. and uh, and Ryan Getzlaff, and not at the same level necessarily, but it's player type playing and how style. they play, playing style. I will be very clear. Whenever yes, yeah, you and I talk comps, I, I'm not we're comparing Zhukanov to Zatsuk. Okay. <laughs> That's not what we're doing here. Uh, 650, 650. This one. Uh, Frank from Burnaby. Hey, guys, have you heard of ice issues at Rogers Arena? Last couple games, noticed players losing their edges. Cheers, Frank from Burnaby. Uh, even tonight, uh, Frank absolutely noticed that. A lot of players slipping. Beauvillier a couple of times, a couple of D-men as well. And on the bench, a lot of guys standing up, getting the blades changed out throughout mm-hmm. the course of the game. So, yes, very valid point from Frank. Uh, very astute, uh, looking at the nuances of the game, too. Uh, we were talking to, to Woodley a couple of games ago. Was that Saturday? Yes. Um, it was, yeah, it was It was, uh, It was. was the night The be- previous, previous game, yeah. game, Thursday. Yeah, Josh is just nodding yeah. his head. Where, you know, complaints and, and, and things that he's heard from previous games as well of complaints from the opposing locker room that ice isn't the best here at Rogers Arena. No, it's and it's something that needs improving and amongst other things. Yeah, and there's a cost that goes with that. And I think that's one of the big things obviously that that that's associated with making the ice better and there are a few things. I mean, this building's almost 30 years old now. I think it's the sixth or seventh oldest building in the NHL. Hey, it sneaks up and needs maintenance like like anything else and that's just the reality of these buildings even though Actually, you know what? I will say, like, I love this building. The sight lines are incredible. They're incredible sight lines. Pretty right? fantastic. It's just upkeep. This building. Just yes. upkeep. That's what it comes down to. Things All right. change. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. We'll get to those. Ian McIntyre will join us in the next segment. We're going to midnight because the game started at 7.30. And we'll play for, here from Canucks players after a 4-3 shootout win over the Nashville Predators at Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Barry with a shot off the right wing. Held out by Seelops. Hughes gets it far corner. Feeds ahead to Niels Oman. Oman with speed. Right wing to the Nashville line. Gets it out in front for Dakota. Joshua, he scores! Tremendous effort by Neil Zoman to create the chance, and Joshua finishes it in the slot. His ninth of the season extends the Vancouver lead to 3-1. to one. Canucks go on to win 4-3 in a shootout over the Nashville Predators. Elias Pettersson, 30th goal of the season, plus a shootout winner, and Arthur Stilaz makes all three saves in the shootout to preserve the victory for the Vancouver Canucks. So keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And uh, we are going to get to Ian McIntyre coming up in a few minutes' time. But, uh, you know, Bick, uh, in a game like this, of course, we have a lot of reaction on our text inbox, 650-650. So what are the people saying this evening? Kim in Tawasin. Love JT's game tonight. Finishing checks. Big body presence along the boards on the power play. What stood out to us was his game in the D zone. They need him playing like that. They need him playing like he did tonight. Uh, Obviously a fantastic game. The last game uh, as well against the Toronto Maple Leafs in that victory. Uh, Kevin from Surrey. I hope uh, put Colson. 
uh, but he pronounces it put goals in, gets sent down to Abbotsford, that experience would be good. They papered him uh, at the trade deadline, so he will be going down to Abbotsford for the Abbey Canucks playoffs when yeah. that comes up. Yeah, and that's the big thing, right? And you look at this, like we mentioned before, like a lot of these guys wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the circumstances of this season, the injuries and, you know, everything that we've seen. A lot of these guys need time, you know, and we've seen oftentimes players come up and show a little bit of something, but you need to go back there. And I think it's going to be beneficial for, for guys like Putkolzin, right, to go there and play. I think it's going to be beneficial for, for Hoaglander, of course, and Arthur still like all these guys, like a good AHL run, I think it's going to be very beneficial for them. Uh, Vic texts in, were you guys, like me, starting to feel, starting to get the feeling, especially if you scored in the shootout, that Evangelista could be a future Canuck <laughs> killer? Kind of got that vibe from me. All right, you got to tell the story about uh, okay. you and uh, Jamie Dodd talking about this during the intermission. So in the first intermission, we're talking and, you know, Myers plays his 900th game. They did a little tribute for Quinn Hughes getting his 200th assist, fastest in NHL history for D-men. Elias Patterson gets his 300th point and his 30th goal of the year. And I joked, it's like, well, a lot of milestones mm-hmm. so far this evening for the Vancouver Canucks. And don't search up any Nashville Predators milestones because they're probably going to hit something. And the intrepid Jamie Dodd uh, searched it up and he said, well, you know, Luke Evangelista uh, hasn't scored his NHL goal just yet. And then he gets robbed by Seelovs at the end of that period. And then he scores two goals later on and gets the chance in the shootout. So a, a milestone hit for the Nashville Predators, which go figure. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things. They come out of nowhere, and we've seen far too many of them. And in good shout and evangelist that, hey, it always seems to happen, doesn't it? Uh, players scoring their first goal against the Vancouver Canucks. All right, keep your thoughts coming in. We'll try to get to more as the show goes up. I like this one goes on. I like this one from Coming Up Shorthouse. You, you should be a scout. GMs will love your scouting reports. This guy's Claude Lemieux cross with Dale Howarchuk. It's really that easy. <laughs> Coming Up Shorthouse. Uh, good text uh, as well. All right. Uh, we'll get to more as, as the show goes on. But before uh, we get there, let's get to some player audio after the game. We mentioned Elias Pettersson. He scored a goal. He got the shootout winner, and here he is talking about how the, how the game started off. Yeah, I think you're right on. I think uh, I think our first is good, uh, and then second second period is not good. We let him in the game. Uh, already keeps us in the game, and then third period. Um, we did okay, but the last 10 is not good enough. We let in two goals. Um, but, yeah, happy we got the win. Big milestone for you, 300 uh, NHL point. Yep. What does that mean to you? Yeah, that's obviously something I'm very happy with. Um, but, yeah, I want to keep going and reach uh, yeah, many more points. What about the 30th goal and just having a 30-goal season and what that means? Uh, I mean, it's a nice milestone. Um also, I'm very happy with it, but um, yeah, I just want to keep going and see where the season goes. The final round of the shootout there. Uh, can you take us through your shot and also your emotions when you see Hardy make that save? Yeah, I um, just tried to simplify my shootout and just kind of wait to see what uh, Sars doing. And he's beating me two times this year on the shootout, so I hope I got uh, third time to charm on him. And Artie, uh, great save, uh, clean sheet on the shooter. What did you see on your opening goal there? It seemed to be a little uncertainty on whether it was in the net. Uh, I was, I was sure it was in the net. I saw the net behind the inside bar went up or whatever, but 
by then the, the play was going the other way, but um, I was pretty sure it went in, so yeah. You're known for that kind of shot where you've got the velocity and you can pick corners, but you've scored a few where you've been able to open goalies up and go five-hole along the ice. Do you think that your typical shot helps you in those moments where you can get them looking at that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I just don't want to... Um, how do you say? Always shoot one spot. Then the goal. The goalers are so good nowadays, and the 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 reads are so good. So I'm just trying to be um, like uh, pick my spots and uh, switch switch it up sometimes. I know it's been tough in this building for you guys at times this year. How nice is it to string a couple of wins together? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the fans deserve it. Uh, we haven't performed um, performed this year, so happy we got a few wins with them. Were you surprised with the time that you had in your goal? Like at the start, looked like he kind of paused and. Had yeah, I was uh, first. I was looking for a pass if someone's open, but then uh, so I got the ice. So I just tried to wait and pick the corner. And, yeah, one, one in. Uh, that is Elias Pedersen uh, after the game, and and uh, you know, good reaction from him talking about clean sheets, as as if he's talking about soccer clean sheet in the right. shootout for Artie. Nice little, nice little. Give the kids some props. Why not? Give them some love. Why not give them some love? Um, uh. <laughs> Ryan Shermain has texted in. Do you guys think Pedersen is above being benched a bit during a game like Kuzmenko was? Just in general, I don't think he's saying tonight he deserved to get a bench, but uh, he, he does go on to say, as much as I know Petey's an elite player, why does he keep trying to stick handle through three opponents and lose the puck 90% of the time? Uh, instead of passing the puck. So we had a moment where he cut through two sticks and burst through it and made it through to the other side. And then the next play, kind of getting into the prime slot area, is when he kind of fumbled the puck. Also went one on four and drew a penalty near the end of the second period. I almost wonder if he's maybe a bit bored. I'm, I'm not reporting this or anything. I'm just thinking out loud here tail end of the season, it hasn't been as, uh, he's been a bit more high event like we've talked about. I just wonder if he's just trying different things and seeing what boundaries he's able to push and just saying, I'll refine it all for next season, but right now I just want to see what I can get away with on the ice. Because he had a play where we've seen him launch it off the the backboards with a, a winger rushing up. It was on the power play, and he just tried it. But Ryan McDonough was in the way, and Ryan McDonough took this very hard shot pass perfectly and sent it right back to Pedersen down the ice. You can see Pedersen kind of shake his head. Yeah. I, I would just wonder if he's just saying, like, let's test some things out here. Let's see what I can get away with. Let's see what people pick up on. And now I know I'm putting it in the Well, do you think folder. he's testing boundaries, not just with the coach, of what he can get away with at the NHL No, level? I just mean in relation with the other players, like who picks up on what and – Let's try some different things and let's, let's experiment with these last 20 games. Well, I mean, he certainly has a confidence to do some, something along those lines, yeah. right? The only thing I would say against stuff like that is it forming habits. Cause of course. To, to, to the point about this trying to stick handle through players, he usually gets away with it, but there are times you're not going to get away with it, right? But at the same time, when a guy has 79 points on the year now, he has 30 goals already. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's hard to quibble, right? And even if he does have moments, you're like, fine. But I thought that was an interesting uh, point you brought up. Is he trying things that he probably wouldn't try otherwise, knowing... In tight games, and if this was a playoff race, just be a bit more responsible? Because it's been a bit odd these last 
He's tried things. Five weeks. And he's always tried loud things, but it's like risky for no reason things mm-hmm. at times. And maybe he's just really feeling it. Like maybe he's just heat checking. Sure, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, you know, I'm feeling good, so I'm just going to try these things. That could really be it. Um, but um, uh, that's good. Uh, Isn't, yeah, like Ryan's texting back in and says, like, I hadn't thought of that experiment. I, I, I'm just thinking aloud here. I, I'm not saying that's what he's doing or anything like that. But considering it, like we know what a smart, intelligent player is and he can play very difficult minutes, it's just been odd how high event he's been. Uh, and we've talked it up. We're like, well, the team's not very good. But he's kind of doing all these weird things at times too. I, I, no other take there. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. You brought it up to me earlier, and I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It, it makes sense what you're putting down on it. I just wonder if he's actually doing that. Mm-hmm. And the question is, I mean, Talkett's not getting in, in, its, in his way because, hey, when you're producing and doing what he's doing, it's like you kind of get out of the way and let him do things. But I'd be interested to see how, what it kind of looks like coming into next season, you know, like especially with, with the new coach. and Yeah. Do we see that kind of get reeled back a little bit to some extent? That's something I'm keeping an eye on. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox. Like this one from Colin from the Caribou. After JT heard his name being shopped at the deadline after being signed to a new deal, he's now extra motivated. Turn it on, carry the team, and bleep up the draft spot before he's traded in the offseason. Colin from the Caribou throwing in the joke per 60. All right, uh, before we get to Ian McIntyre, let's get to more player audio after the game. Canucks winning uh, 4-3 in a shootout. And here is Dakota Joshua, who got a goal tonight and talks about whether the Canucks played as well as the score indicated. Uh, yeah, that was uh, really not an effort that we were we were happy with. But, you know, uh, wins have been hum- uh, hard to come by this year, so uh, definitely we'll take it. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, some things that we need to improve on and, and more so just uh, sticking to playing for a full 60 minutes. Were you looking to put that goal through uh, McDonough's legs or...? I was just lucky. Got lucky tonight. How about the play Niels made to create the chance for you? Yeah, it was a that was a great pass by Niels, and uh, you know he'll uh, he'll he'll find you if you're open. And um, I hope that we can uh, connect for a lot more like that. How much do you think the structure that Rick has tried to get in place here helps you guys in games like this, where maybe you don't play your best, but you're able to hang around? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, he's taught us to you know stick in there. Um, if everybody does their part and then covers their part of the ice, then it, it's going to be hard for them to get inside and score. So um, we can definitely tell as a group when we're, we're doing the game plan the right way, it's effective, and when we're not, you know, we, we give up chances. It so, like a really smooth catch and release on your shot, on your goal. Your hands are... You like surprising guys when you're coming in from maybe the bottom six? Um, I, yeah, once again, just <laughs> it, was, uh, it happened so fast and... Uh, you know, got lucky, was on the ice, and, uh, you know, goals are hard to come by in this league, so uh, I'll take them. This is your first full NHL season. You've got career highs across the board. Describe, like, how you're feeling right now, like, in terms of your individual game. Yeah, personally, you know, I've, uh, like you said, you know, done better than, than previous years, um, but more so just focusing on trying to help the team get better and uh, build uh, confidence so uh, we're ready right from the jump next year. How much does the offense mean to you as well, though, to be able to chip in like you have? Yeah, for sure it's nice. And, you know, uh, once again, like, you're not really looking for the bottom six to, to, to put goals in the net. So uh, when they come, you know, it's, uh, it's a very fortunate and a good feeling. 
have to imagine your coach likes to see five hits from you in the first period, a goal in the third period. How much do you like playing for Red Tocket so far? Yeah, it's been it's been really fun, and obviously everybody can see uh, how fast um, we've come in here and kind of, you know, there's still a lot to work on like we, we see, but at the same time, um, there's been a lot of good signs of improvement, and, you know, I think uh, everybody uh, is, is starting to feel a lot better uh, about themselves than uh, we were feeling in the first half of the year. What have you thought of the fit with Garland? Yeah, he's, I love playing with uh, with Connor. He's he's a one of a kind forward. You know, you sometimes you expect him not to come out of there with the puck, and then there he is. It's on his stick, and uh, he's hard. He shows up to battle every game, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. That is Dakota Joshua scores a goal tonight. The Canucks win four three in a shootout over the Nashville Predators, and. You know, he's showing a little something. Ninth goal of the season. He's been one of those players the team thought could show something in his late 20s, and he has so far after signing a two-year deal away from the uh, St. Louis Blues this offseason. All right, it is now time for the big guns to come out. The closer, the man we call the triple threat, Ian McIntyre, comes out right before midnight. You hear him on radio. You see him on TV. You read him on digital. IMAC is here. The big guns. Big guns. I almost feel like I should take off my shirt. <laughs> so funny. So, uh, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Everything. Nothing and everything. I don't. Be- I don't believe in. I don't believe in guns. That's good. That's good philosophy. It's to not have. good for society. No, I agree. Especially handguns. Yes, they don't seem to be doing much, but harm. Well, they're just intended to kill people, aren't they? I think so. Wow, this went dark <laughs> went real really fast. fast. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, so let's talk about happier things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, I try to be a moderating influence. That's what I try to be yeah. when, I, when I come on your show. So, so often you guys are so depressed, so critical and negative. So I try to bring a little cheer. Sometimes you get carried away. I could, I could feel your enthusiasm across the rink. So critical and negative. It, it was almost, it was almost warming the frigid air in here oh. in Rogers Arena at midnight, close it's, to midnight. Hey. So I just thought I'd bring a little moderation. That's good. Moderation isn't well, necessary. You got something against gun control, Vic? No, mm. I, I was, I was pushing back on the idea that we're critical and negative. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we agree on the gun control. The other parts. Perhaps not. I mean, it's funny. Who have you traded this post game? Nobody. Nobody. I, honestly, I don't think we've had trade talk at all. No, today. Not, not Come a, on. No, seriously. No. See, all the more reason I've got to bring some reality, some so you, hard truth about the world in here, because you guys are just in this make believe. Hey, what I've been trading anybody? Who are you trading? <laughs> are you trading anybody here before we get out? Looking no. at the game sheet. No, but I didn't notice. Well, I did sort of notice with the eye test. <laughs> JT Miller had a pretty good game, but you mm-hmm. see what his line is, and this is. Like, I think there were some fascinating things tonight, and I I focused partly out of desperation because I had 40 minutes to write 800 <laughs> words. But I focused on uh, Vasily Podkolzin, who had a 33-second shift in overtime that brought his season OTTOI to 33 seconds. But <clears throat> look at JT Miller. So he, he does not register a point tonight, but he played 21 and a half minutes. He had three shots. He had seven hits. He went 15-7 and seven in the face-off circle. And he put Cole Smith on his ass one, when Smith was running around a bit and had been given what's known in hockey as the business to Vasily Podkolzin moments before. And I suspect 
based on his 21 and a half minutes of ice time that Tockett loved JT Miller's game and it didn't require a point from him mm-hmm. to earn that kind of ice time didn't require a point from him for the Canucks to win this win this game yeah and uh, I mean JT's play I know tonight perhaps you know the two-way impact I think overall the Canucks struggled in general in, in many ways but his play under talk negative 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 <laughs> no but this wouldn't be a positive I was just saying, I mean <laughs> hey uh, tonight, it wasn't. I mean, even the players and, and the coach admitted it wasn't exactly their cleanest hockey no. game. But I'd say JT's play, his two-way impact has actually gone up significantly playing center under Rick Tockett. Well, for sure it has. He's been a different player uh, the last few weeks than he was than he was before that. Um, I thought the Canucks tonight, and I, and I didn't. I didn't have the pleasure of hanging out with all kinds of time to listen to what Rick Tockett had to say after the game. Uh, I didn't think they were very tidy, and of course, giving up, giving up the two goal lead in the third period, you know, no, nobody's going to like that. But what I did notice, especially in the second period, when there was a lot of zone time mm-hmm. for for Nashville, the Canucks were still fairly rigid around their net. Like they, yeah, yeah, the puck was in their zone a lot, but they they weren't giving up other than one chance. I think it was to Deshane. Uh, they weren't giving up these five-star chances. It wasn't just a complete mm-hmm. siege of the Canucks net and, and Silovs having to do cartwheels and, and things. That structure was evident even when the team wasn't playing very well because the puck was in their zone a lot, but it was still evident around their net. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't I didn't see it as a bad performance. I thought it was kind of a, a little bit predictable after the Toronto game Yeah, that not, you know, a letdown per se, because they just have so many guys like Pod Coles and uh, like Dakota Joshua, and you can go on and on. The Silovs. There's so many guys trying to show something and prove something that I don't think they're going to have any uh, wall-to-wall stinkers mm-hmm. anymore. Maybe they will. Maybe <laughs> maybe next game they get blitzed, but uh, it just seemed like emotionally there was so much to like about Saturday's game. And as, as Talkett said, that was like a playoff game. And unfortunately, it's the only kind of playoff game they're going to get. But I thought tonight it would be hard for them to replicate that kind of emotion and intensity in the building. Because a lot of that, I think, on Saturday came from the crowd and came from the atmosphere. And it wasn't going to be the same. Uh, Nashville Predators don't travel. you know, for their Their fans don't yeah. come here. Vancouver fans, oddly enough, because we were just there recently, Canuck fans do go to Nashville. I discovered that. Uh, there are quite a few Canuck jerseys uh, in Bridgestone Arena. But I, I thought kind of it was in another way, it was a different way of showing, you know, the structure and, and just how much better defensively they are. They still only gave up the three. Mm-hmm. which, you know, sounds like three in the NHL you often lose. But for this team, right. 31st in goals against when, you know, I don't know if they're still 31st. I haven't checked in a couple of weeks. But, you know, they went they went weeks without giving up, you know, three or fewer goals earlier in the season. So this was uh, sixth game out of eight that they've given up three or fewer and two in a, a few of those games too. So, Having said all that. Yeah, uh, that was a lot. That was a lot. 
as you mentioned, like in the second period, that they were in their own zone. And this might be a function of that. Like we talked about the physicality in the Toronto game. They were credited with 23 hits, which seems kind of low. Tonight they were credited with 42, which seems kind of high. But nevertheless... Maybe they accosted the official scorers <laughs> after the Toronto game. So what's going on here? But you, you think about a function of the game of, of how much sustained time Natural may have had. That's probably a product of that, but... That's still nice to see that physical carryover into this game because that's the thing I thought we'd see a let-up in. Mm -hmm. And the thing we talked about in the focus for us in the pregame show was can you stay mentally engaged if the physical doesn't ramp up to what we saw on Saturday night? Yeah. Well, there wasn't the big bazooka hits that there were uh, against Toronto, but I think there was a lot of of – Sort of NHL trade craft, diligence, yeah. and and what again? BB what, gun shots. What yeah. talk at once? Numbers. JT stood up for Kraftsov and and had had a fight. Yeah, he also had seven hits. Yeah. as well. Um, so I I I liked that part of it. I I liked I liked that Pod Colson got rewarded. And and it's not that he had this eye popping game at the at the end of the night. You know, he only played 11:44, and he had a couple of shots on net. And one of them was in the OT. Mm-hmm. But the fact, I mean, he he did tip in a goal. His line was pretty solid uh, tonight, and uh, I, I thought it was great that he got rewarded with a shift in overtime because it's it's kind of um, in a microcosm what what Rick Tockett has promised that if you do the right things and you do the hard things, and he's talked about them also, mm-hmm. we, we know what talk it wants. But if you do that, you'll be rewarded. And we've seen that in a number of guys. Like, look at Phil DiGiuseppe. Yeah. Basically from the time of the coaching changes when he got a chance up here and he was one of, seemed to be one of the um, early investors in what talk it was, was selling. Um, you look at you know, sell-offs. You look at Kravtsov. I, I don't think he's been great, but he's he's shown signs, and he's he's still getting his ice time. And then it that applies all the way up the lineup. Look at Kizmenko and how how well he's played lately, and how much he's played lately. It was only a month ago. He had three games: twelve minutes, twelve minutes, and ten minutes. Yeah, that's what Tockett thought of his game then. Now he's playing. I mean, tonight he was just under eighteen, but he was over over. Uh, at or over 19 for six games in a row prior to the prior to the Toronto game. So this merit, it goes up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, Brock Besser went seven minutes without playing in the second period. You know, had had two shifts and then sat. Um, and I think there was a game JT Miller played. Yeah, it was Seattle minutes. game. He barely played for <laughs> 15 yeah. minutes. So, you know, I, I talked to Connor Garland. I had a chance to talk to him on my own after. Because of course he has history with mm-hmm. Talkit, and he said in in his three years in Arizona, his ice time went from 11 to 14 to 18, and it wasn't because he was scoring goals. Although in the end, that was a byproduct mm-hmm. of how he was playing. Is that his offensive totals were going up? It's because he was doing all these things that Talkit wants and insists. Not even wants. It's not a request. They're non-negotiable. Pre- yes, yeah. it's prerequisite. If you don't do them, you're not going to play very much. But if you do them, you do them well, and you have something to offer, then then you're going to be rewarded. And he says this is this is just how it is with him, that he he doesn't cave in. Mm-hmm. Like this is how it's going to be. If you want to play, this is what you have to do to play. 
And Garland said he loves it because every player feels like they have an opportunity to earn more. Every player feels like he has a role, first of all, but they also feel like they have an opportunity to do to do more. And he said it's it's not like, okay, there's only three or four guys who feel like they're deciding every game. And he didn't say that's how it was with Bruce. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were four or five guys who played a ton every game. And, you know, some games they did enough, the team won, and some games they didn't because the team gave up six or seven goals and they'd, and they'd lose. It, it's much more of a, of a team right now that we're seeing. And, you know, let's remember as well, it is only 17 games, I believe, yeah. now with Talkit. And, and pressure and off games at the end of the season. Yeah, but, but also uh, I would counter with that, Sat, that they're playing a lot of teams that are playing for their playoff lives. Well, that, that's fine. Right? But, in ter- but in terms of, like, they don't have any – they have something on the line, but the team doesn't have the pressure of we're trying to make the playoffs. The stakes of the season are kind of gone. No, they, they don't have that pressure, but they're not, they're not getting – freebies right. because the other teams are not ta- like not taking them serious. In the old days there was so much separation playoff to, and so many teams made the playoffs. Right. You know, before this century that you'd literally if you were a crappy team, you'd win some games at the end of the year just cuz the other team didn't you know care. Right. right. They it didn't mean anything to them. They didn't try. And now in the NHL pretty much every night somebody's trying and and even Nashville tonight, you know, they're on the cusp. They're not going to be a playoff team. And it was a clear signal to everyone who thought they might be a playoff team that management doesn't think they are with yeah. what they did at the deadline. But they still had, you know, they were pretty good effort tonight. They didn't just mail it in. So uh, it's a small sample, and they're only one game over 500. So it's not about, as talking yeah. to Sam many times, it's not about the winning and the losing, and I know a lot of people would like to see more of the losing, right. less of the winning, but it's about this process and what they're trying to build for next uh, season. Because yeah, I thought this will really we'll help. We'll see what happens coming and up then on I Wednesday found they, against the Anaheim Ducks, and that's a team, well, well they cared about they've had their struggles, and you're right. Only the Ducks And I found I could type faster if I looked at the keys. So when Vic does that little move where he puts his hand And just type this little four fingers. That means like it's like that's like wrap it up. It's like essentially like I don't have to everybody out of the pool. pretty much where it's almost midnight. I did it my own way. I've seen that. I also know. I saw it recently. It was in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. When he's giving no directions yeah, to the cast. Yeah, it's, it's, and well, it's Charlie Brown or short short Charlie Brown, is, Charlie well, Brown just, did it. Can I be any up, older? Similar Abbreviating hairdo. words, essentially. No, Charlie's yeah, coming. symbols instead yeah, of words yeah. for sounds. I think he got like three and then oh, no, I'm digital recorders came along. What am I thinking everyone, of? Everyone right, you guys don't even know. It's packed journalism, so you have probably never seen a Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, of course we've seen Charlie Brown Oh, sure you have. Yeah. That's What's Charlie, Charlie Brown? Journalism. Is it and like two across? And He's got a couple of right across. Yeah, oh, no, it's the curl around, around and learn something. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do at midnight on a Monday? It's <laughs> great stuff as always from Ian McIntyre. But uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Make sure to read Self Satyar Shaw and Josh Elliott producing the show here at the rink. And thanks to Eddie Gregory back at the radio station. That's Ian McIntyre. Read his latest part of the show. 800 words tomorrow. The home of your Canucks.